Welcome to a new episode of the Excel Magazine podcast. My name is Diana Olenik, your host, and today we're going to be speaking about Pixo VR, which is a training company in VR. So for Pixo VR, they really feel proud to say that technology is created for people by people according to their team. They don't believe in technology for technology's sake, which is something that I totally agree. They believe that technology should serve real people and solve real problems. This is super important for all the creators out there that are coming up with ideas that maybe haven't responding actually to a real problem. They say that they define their success by the value that they create. And actually, their team is an award-winning VR group of engineers, developers, and training experts who are dedicated to questioning assumptions, breaking down barriers, and creating new realities of human potential. So today, I'm very proud to be speaking with Sean Hurwitz, who is a serial entrepreneur with decades of experience building businesses through the smart use of technology and assembly of elite teams. Sean founded Pixel VR in 2009 based on his belief in the power of technology to unlock people's potential. With Pixel VR, he has been helping companies transform their training programs through VR technology. Shane applies his belief to not only help customers grow, but his company and himself as well. I can't wait to begin this amazing episode. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Sean, for being here today. I'm actually super excited. Um, please let us know, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited too. It's always great to speak to uh, other uh, industry experts. Thank you. So today we're going to be speaking about how Sean and his team have been around uh, developing these solutions to unlock people's potential through employee training and all of these amazing uh, things through Pixel VR. So please let us know, Sean, how Pixel VR was born. Well, we started several years ago, actually, right before, um, you know, extended reality or AR and VR actually started getting commercial traction. You know, we found that we were able to develop immersive environments and distribute those. So being built in, you know, Unreal or Unity game engines uh, and deploy those um, for helping other uh, large companies train or do mundane tasks that at the time they called gamification. So we, we started doing that, you know, almost 13 years ago now, um, but we were deploying them on 2D screens, even though they were 3D immersive environments. So you can imagine how excited we were when we put on that first, you know, Oculus Rift, which I think was like 2014 or 15, when we were able to fully immerse in these uh, experiences, which for us at the time was easy to find the return on the investment because by immersing someone and replicating real life, we immediately knew that you could reduce risk and reduce cost, primarily in training, but doing a lot of enterprise-type tasks. Yeah, that's amazing. We've seen, because I come from the background of engineering, and engineering is closely related with safety and occupational health and all of this, we've seen sure. many applications of this type of technology onto helping people like entering a simulation 
and perform different tasks that otherwise even during training could be dangerous, right? So uh, how it has been for you approaching the companies and teaching them? It has been difficult. How has been all the process? Because, yeah, this is a new technology. Yeah, Um well, I could say uh, it's not easy, but it's a lot easier today than it was in 2015 oh. and 2016. You know, thanks to Meta and standalone headsets mm-hmm. and the other, you know, hardware manufacturers, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, thanks to Pokemon at, at one time, uh, became more of a common known platform. Um, you know, when we started, no one knew what VR or AR was. Uh, so we had to educate a lot. You know, <clears throat> when you look at where we are today, uh, and I look at my parents to say, if my parents know, m- most people would know. So um, what we're finding today is, uh, you know, these large companies, maybe their kids have a, a MetaQuest uh, or a PlayStation VR or they have something. So the, the education side of um, what virtual and augmented reality is, is a little bit easier. How we find ROI or return on the investment or how they're actually going to use it or how they're going to blend it with their current, you know, learning and development and training is still an education process. Um, so I would say, you know, in summary, it's a little bit better and easier than it was today, but there's still challenges in educating our audience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it, it takes time. It's a process that it uh, actually takes many years, so it becomes more accessible for people, common, you know, consumers. And uh, the point that the companies, of course, realize we really need to to be using this because it really enhances uh, the processes, it saves the money, etc., all the benefits. So what has been some of the most challenging cases that you've had, you know, to design or build for companies? And what have been all of those uh, big learnings, if you'd like to share some? Well, I think in order, you know, when, when we look at um, and we work with, uh, you know, exclusively in the enterprise commercial space, we work with some of the largest companies in the world. And some of the challenges has been getting them not to immediately understand where they could see value or, or, or the return on the investment to switch to a new platform like, like XR, um, but it's getting them through a proof of concept or through a pilot stage to where they actually find success. Because we, yes, we want them to start, but we want them to grow. So a company that has 40,000 employees are typically going to start with a, with a program of 50 or 150 employees to, to test and try to see if they're, they can find success and what success is and what problems are we solving. You know, typically, like I said, it's reducing risk is always on the top of mind for most of our customers but also reducing cost. So they're not willing to say, hey, let's buy 40,000 headsets and, and give them to every employee. We take them through a pilot phase, a proof of concept phase, where it's important for our customer success team to work with that customer. So the challenges that we see across the market is getting large companies out of that pilot phase and into full you know, integration. Yeah, yeah, that's a, uh, an important uh, consideration when it comes to trying to replicate these um, real world circumstances and then bringing them. Of course, there is certain considerations of the the impact for the employees and all the return on investment, et cetera. That, that is, uh, of course, a challenge. And 
do you have any examples of a particular case that in terms of technicalities was uh, difficult to build? For example, um, recreating uh, the safety training for firefighters or something like that, like a particular case that you'd like to showcase and how it was the workflow and the challenges for building that particular one? Yeah, I think one of the challenges that that most uh, uh, enterprise VR companies are, are faced with is, you know, custom development or development, you know, of a training module like the ones that we have that are pretty generic and universal across multiple industries, you know, a ladder safety or a confined mm-hmm. space or an electrical safety or fire extinguisher. Uh, one of the technical challenges is um, not having to customize the module every time for every customer. And, you know, so we use pretty generic environments like we have a hazard uh, recognition uh, training module where it's in a generic warehouse. So when we try to uh, uh, promote and license that to a customer, a lot of times they want it in their own environment. Um, And so, you know, having them accept the more universal environment so you're not building out and modeling a new 3D environment which is obviously a lot more expensive, takes a lot more time, is sometimes a challenge. Um, One of the, the, probably one of the top technical challenges that that we faced on the content development side is the time that it takes to develop a module. So if we engage with a customer, say, like Ford, you know, we've done some some technical training on some of their engines and some of their electric vehicles. Um, Well, having it take three to five months to build content uh, uh, to then have them start that that license or, or start the training is a long time. You know, when you think of building a website, maybe in the 90s, it took three to five months, but today it could take three to five hours. And so mm-hmm. I think um, technically, we as an industry, whether, you know, using low code or no code solutions, you know, we have to develop content faster. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know, there's, probably several other challenges like the different devices and the different headsets. You know, it's like when we started, there was iOS and Android, Apple and and Android. And we were only developing for Apple because there was no Android. Then Android came out thereafter, you know, signing on 500,000 phones, uh, uh, smartphones a day. Then we had to also start uh, deploying on Android. So when you think of today, you have different devices. You have even, you know, several different VR devices and the content needs to be available on all of those devices because customers are buying, you know, from different manufacturers. Yeah, definitely. I think that we are uh, in this trend where we are learning from what are the new, uh, as you mentioned, devices coming and how can we adjust those uh, to the type of experiences that we can make. But I also see that in order for platforms to grow, they are using what is called user-generated content, which is uh, maybe when you mentioned we need more content. And mm. this just makes a benefit for all the other developers and creators that are there. I think that from the point of view of a company, like the strategy of a company, that's why these companies are also using these type of models because it makes sense instead of you having in-house all of these developers creating this, why not we bring people that is creating already this and there is a, a, a win and win, you know, situation. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- yeah, I think for sure that, you know, on our platform, we, we mostly now have third party content. 
So mm-hmm. content, you know, created by third-party developers. Uh, when we started, of course, we only had our own. Um, that's, that is definitely a challenge that we can solve when you talk about the quantity of, of content. Um, but when a large customer l- like a Ford or a Chick-fil-A is looking for content of their own, more custom mm-hmm. content, having a low code or no code solution, which is user generated, it just, they would be developing their own content. You know, I, we strongly believe that one day the customers will build their own content as well mm-hmm. and hire developers inside, you know, the company. That's absolutely the conversations that I've had recently. Uh, when, when I deliver speeches, et cetera, about career and the future of this, I say companies more and more in the future are going to start having their own in-house teams in order to create their own customized experiences in the way that they want. So therefore there are going to be more jobs available for exact uh, developers, exactly as in companies right now, sometimes they have an IT person taking care of the website sometimes or their systems, internal systems. It's going to be similar. So absolutely. I also believe that. Yeah. We have a, we have a, um, a scenario with a very large, um, a training enterprise training company that part of our relationship with them and our engagement with them is to help onboard and train, uh, developers as they hire them. Which, which for us is fine because, you know, our, our, um, you know, most valuable, um, uh, proposition is the platform to manage and distribute and track the content, not necessarily develop the content. And so if our customers were developing their own content, uh, that would be really good for us and, and the industry to grow. Yes, absolutely. I think that more companies should rethink their strategy as well. To allow for more, uh, holistic, um, ways to, to, uh, engage other people that can have those talents. I think that that just makes good for, for the whole industry, as, as, uh, as you mentioned. <clears throat> and, uh, so you create solutions for enterprise in, in terms of the, uh, potential employee training, et cetera, and also the training, training services do you have as well? Um, you mean training for, for other developers or, or just training in general? Training in general. Um, no. So, so we're a software company. We're not a training company. And this is a very good point, I think, and a good question because, you know, how, you know, five or six years ago, I listened to a panel where someone from Google Ventures was on the panel and he said, until VR and AR companies understand training, you know, and they're not just gaming or a software company that, you know, the industry will still lag and, and be slow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, we have a designer, I think instructional design, you know, you talk about jobs. I think there's great opportunity for instructional designers to learn VR. Right now it's a little bit of a unicorn. You know, you're either a VR designer or developer mm-hmm. or you're instructional designer. That, that sort of integration of those two skill sets is, is widely sought after even today. Never mind the future. So we rely on, you know, our customers and, you know, third party instructional designers to help us design. It's not, it's not so easy to take, you know, uh, uh, you know, Ford replacing a timing belt on an engine and having game developers essentially build that in VR because there's a lot of, there's a big part of the learning objective. 
So uh, while we don't have that skill inside the company, I think it's absolutely required for any training module. Yes, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And you as well perform some sort of integration sometimes with companies, I believe. What type of integrations do you do? Well, we integrate or curate, you know, third-party content, as mm -hmm. as I mentioned. You know, we have uh, integration with learning management systems. Mm -hmm. So whatever a system, you know, like through a single sign-on process or the ability for a company, large company, to track the data and not use our platform as a completely separate uh, a platform or place that they have to either assign or capture the data. So we integrate with um, uh, learning management systems to make it easier for our our customers. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And then, of course, you know, something like an MDM, mm -hmm. um, you know, we integrate with. So the way that we built our platform with, with uh, uh, APIs to be able to integrate into any third-party system. Yes, yes, that's great because there, there is that capability there for enterprise. They'd be looking for something like this. And from your own perspective, because you're in the industry, um, what do you see like the industry evolving towards with? What is your, um, you know, your perspective about the, the industry? Um, <clears throat> you know, on the enterprise side, um, you know, I believe that every business will have a VR headset. You know, mm -hmm. as Mark Zuckerberg said years ago, you know, VR, XR will be the new computing platform. We we believe that. We've believed it now for seven years uh, and stuck with it to continue, you know, that to see that vision out. Um, and if that's true, uh, because I believe there's a um, uh, uh, return on ROI for every company to use one. So the easier it becomes and the more the industry collaborates together. Mm -hmm. I think that's important as well, you know, that we're not all independent, disparate, you know, solutions, that somehow we collaborate, we come together to provide the best uh, a solution for the customer. Uh, and I think when, when that happens, getting headsets are going to be easier and cheaper. Uh, if the market continues to um, see a downturn, which is what, you know, the media certainly is saying, um, you know, uh, uh, XR saves time. It, it saves money. So this is, I think the next few years are going to be, um, you know, our time. Mm -hmm. Do you have any plan of your uh, particular experiences that you build or trainings that you have already standard uh, to also expand in other like mixed reality, augmented reality or what's your plan? Yeah. I mean, I hesitate to use the M word, you know, the metaverse. Um, yes. in the way that we, the way that we see that is creating a digital twin, you know, of, um, a, uh, an environment, either custom similar, like a Chick-fil-A or mm -hmm. the Olympics. We did some training for, uh, the Olympic games in, in Tokyo. And now we're looking ahead to Paris in, in 2024 is to create that digital twin or that environment, that 3D environment, um, for them to be able to do all of their, training or planning. So AR, VR, MR, whatever, 360 video, whatever it is in this one comprehensive environment to be able to do everything. So we, we don't look at the metaverse as this weird, big, you know, uh, unimaginable thing, which, which I think it is today. You know, it would be their own metaverse, their own digital twin of their own environment to be able to access any kind of, you know, extended reality solution. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, that's super, super exciting. Thank you so much for that. And especially thank you for sharing that particular approach that you have from business, the industry, uh, the holistic approach with uh, enriching the and contributing to the community and the industry from the point of view of allowing other creators to actually co-create with you and sure. to help together. So I think that this is a beautiful example. I'm going to be making a little bit more videos explaining your particular approach because it's so inspiring and I really love it. Uh, more companies should learn from this approach and companies sometimes have been realizing about the benefits of user-generated content, but I think mm. that you take it even one mm. step further with helping also the creators. Thank you so much for sharing so much uh, experience, insight, and uh, yeah, so excited to get to know about you and PixoVR today with you, Sean. Thank Is you. there anything else that you wish I had asked you today? Well, we could probably spend the rest of the day t talking about it. No, I think you covered you covered uh, a, a quite a bit, and I also like the idea of that collaboration and curating together as an industry. Yeah, thank you so much, My and. Pleasure. Please consider subscribing, of course, following Sean and uh, all the news that are happening right now with PixoVR and sharing the message because this is very worthwhile. Thank you so much and see you in the next episode. Bye for now.